2: All right, we've got 30 minutes of college football for you beginning right now. I am Chris Hassel, joined by four of our finest as we're about to unveil the top 10 teams in our CBS Sports 130 rankings. We've got Barrett Salee, Tom Fornelli, Chip Patterson, and Barton Simmons, who's joining us from Nashville at the 24-7 Sports Headquarters. Fellas, a month from tonight, Clemson is going to begin its title defense against Georgia Tech. We're about to find out if they're gonna begin at number one in our rankings. First, before we delve into the top teams, let's look at the teams who just missed out on our top 10. That includes three, all three, of the Pac-12 co-favorites, A&M and Auburn from the SEC West, Iowa State and UCF. Barton, I'm gonna start with you and let's start with the Pac-12 trio. Oregon, Washington, Utah, no Pac-12 teams in the top 10.
3: Yeah, well, I think that you could make a strong case. In fact, I would make a strong case that Utah actually should be in that top ten. I think when you look at this Utah team and you look at the rest of the Pac-12 South, you look at their schedule, I think there's a very real shot at an 11-1 type of year for Utah. I mean, this is as Utah as a Utah team gets. Their defensive line is loaded. Leckie Fotu, uh, Bradley Anai, Max Tupai, like all these guys are total disruptors up front. Their, their secondary is loaded. I think they're really talented back there, turn a lot of athletes in the secondary. Manny Bowen comes in as a transfer from Penn State, who's a playmaker on defense. And now they've got an offensive coordinator. Andy Ludwig comes in from Vanderbilt. he has made chicken salad out of you-know-what at Vanderbilt for a long time (laughs) Um, and I think what he inherits right now at Utah offensively is a quarterback in Tyler Huntley that's really good and they've got Zach Moss back there at running back who is a workhorse I just think all the pieces are combined for a perfect Kyle Whittingham type of year where this is the Utah team that they always want to be year in year out Salt Lake City is still going to be a tough place to play the
1: pieces are there. Utah's ready for a big season, boys. Yeah, you know, I like Washington this year in the Pac-12, although this is a team that has plenty of questions on its own. It kind of is a microcosm of the Pac-12 as a whole. This is a team that lost nine defensive starters on the defensive side. It loses its career passing leader in Jake Browning. It loses its career rushing leader in Miles Gaskin. But it does have four returning starters in the offensive line and a lot of depth returning on it, which is good going forward. But the biggest question is going to be, They haven't decided whether it'll be Jake Eason or Jake Hayner that takes over as the starting quarterback, although I think we can all assume it's going to be Eason. But this is an offense that needs to find more big plays. That's what held this team back last season. They weren't able to move down the field and chunk yardage to help, you know, help out a defense that was very good for them and kept them in a lot of games. But if this is a team that's going to not only just compete for the Pac 12 title and get to maybe the Rose Bowl or the playoff, this is an offense that needs to take a big step forward. And Eason has a much bigger arm than Jake Browning did. And I think that that's something we could see from the Huskies this season.
2: The schedule is in their favor for Washington. They host both Oregon and Utah back to back games with a bye week in between. Another team that just missed out on the top 10 of our CBS Sports 130, the Auburn Tigers. Chip. Auburn has not been ranked higher than 10 to end a season, since they were in the BCS National Championship game in 13.
0: Yeah, but I think that we're going to see it this year, and I think that I'm probably the one that's skewing Auburn's ranking because I think (laughs) Auburn's going to win 10 games this year. I mean, we've got Gus backed into a corner. We know that Georgia and Alabama are both coming to Jordan-Hare in November, and weird things happen when that's the case. And really, more than anything, I just feel really confident in this team's defensive front. I think they're going to win against Oregon. I think that they're going to get past those tough tests against Texas A&M and Florida on the road, and I don't know which one of them it's going to be. But either Georgia or Alabama, one of them's going down at Jordan Hare.
4: The problem with Auburn is everyone talks about returning starters, and they have five returning starters on their offensive line. They didn't play very well last year. In fact, they played awful until the final game of the season. And you put in Joey Gatewood or Bo Nix—that's a, tr- a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, neither of which have taken any meaningful snaps. So you're going to put them behind a veteran offensive line that wasn't very good. I don't know if they can have that kind of success, especially early in the season.
2: They play at A&M on September the 21st, one of the few teams that Texas A&M plays at home. One of the few good teams because Texas A&M, another team just outside of the top 10, has the toughest road schedule I think I've ever seen in college football at Clemson, at Georgia, <laughs> at
4: LSU. Oh, by the way, they also have to play Alabama. Yeah, and I put them in our top ten. I think they're the second best team in the SEC West, and I don't even think it's close. I think when you have Jimbo Fisher coming back in year two with an established starter, Kellen Mond, who made six, several NFL caliber throws. I mean, you go back and watch that Clemson game. He was the best quarterback on the field, and that field also had Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence on it. And Kellen Mond outplayed both of those guys. They have to figure out what they're going to do at running back. I get that. They're going to be more of a by-committee approach. But you look at some of these receivers, Kendrick Rogers, Jamon Osmond, Courtney Davis, you saw them in that seven-overtime game against LSU. These guys can ball out, and when you have an established offensive system that has been successful through the air with an offensive coach like Jimbo Fisher, I think big things are in store for the Aggies. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they got one of those big boys, whether it be Clemson, Georgia, or Alabama.
2: Wow. Well, those three teams, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, that they go on the road to play are all in our top ten. Let's find out where they land as we jump into the top ten of the CBS Sports 130. Notre Dame coming in at number ten. The Fighting Irish coming off a 12-0 regular season. In last year, Barton, really tough schedule this season, though. They've got at Georgia and at Michigan coming up.
3: But is it tough? Is it really that tough of a schedule? (laughs) When you talk about Notre Dame, yes, they've got two games in Michigan and Georgia where they're probably going to be either underdogs or a really slight favorite if we're talking about maybe Michigan, who knows what it looks like at that point in the season. But every other game on that schedule, I know that they're all some brand names, but these are games that this Notre Dame team should win. I do not believe that the 2018 Notre Dame Fighting Irish are the 2012 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I I do not think it was a mirage last Mm -hmm. year. I think what we saw instead was a team that has steadily improved from a strength and conditioning standpoint, from a coaching continuity standpoint, and from a talent standpoint. Now you got Ian Book coming back at quarterback. Uh, a guy that they had to insert midway through the season in some ways he might just be getting going Chase Claypool steps up and is the big playmaker on the outside where Miles Boykin left Uh, they've got a defensive front that's one of the best in the country and they've got continuity there at the defensive coordinator spot and more talent more athleticism on the back end I just really think that Notre Dame wasn't a flash in the pan last year. I think that that was more of an indication of what this team is now, which is going to be a contender year in and year out. So 10 and 2, 11 and 1, you call it, but I think it's going to be a really good season, and
0: I think they have 11 and 1 type potential. Yeah, I think it's a compliment to what Brian Kelly has done in terms of upgrading his staff, upgrading his support system. Uh, but I also don't think Notre Dame's a top five team. <laughs> Notre Dame is occupying that perfect space where number 10 might be just right because yeah. they're certainly one of the five to twelve best teams in the country. But right now, looking at this Notre team and all Notre Dame team and all they have to replace on the defensive side yeah. of the ball, there's just no way I'm elevating them up there into that college football playoff national championship contender conversation. No, there
4: won't be a significant drop-off, though, and I think right. that's what people. everyone either loves or hates Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and there's really no in-between. Well, this is in-between. Notre Dame's certainly capable of, of getting back to that point if they get the breaks.
2: Uh, they got those ten games that are winnable for sure, but the two really tough games on the road at Georgia and at Michigan went out, and they'll be in again, lose one, maybe not. Texas Longhorns lost the Big 12 title game a season ago, beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Chip, they are number nine in our preseason ranking
0: With Sam Ellinger, Barton coined it first, an iconic Texas quarterback <laughs> leading the way. I mean, this is going to be the, the kind of player that young children throughout the Lone Star State are wearing that jersey and growing up playing Sam Ellinger in their backyard. This is going to be a season where because he's now the face of it, because we've gotten used to him, because he's become divisive, mm-hmm. where you either love or you hate Sam Ellinger, we are going to define a lot of what Texas's success is on offense. We're going to tie it directly to him. But – I think there are other positions where I, Tom Herman and his staff, their player development is really gonna be tested because, you know, you lose a lot on the defensive side. I still love Caden Stearns on the back end, but you don't have Chris Boyd. You know, how has that player development been coming along? And on the offensive line, are you gonna be able to create enough consistency such that you are really stressing opposing defenses and making them worry about Sam Ellinger as a dual threat player? A lot of questions. No little Jordan Humphrey, but we do have Colin Johnson. It's like We get so infatuated with the quarterback that we feel certain of that we maybe overlook some other places where there are uncertainties and questions to be answered for the longhorns
2: and now to number eight the team that will be the first on the field in 2019 the florida gators facing miami in orlando three weeks from thursday barrett They do have some questions on the offensive line, though.
4: They do. I think that's the biggest thing. Four new starters on the offensive line. And Felipe Franks thrived towards the end of last season, but what's he going to be like with that new offensive line? We don't really know because the good Felipe Franks really only appeared in mid-November last year and beyond. With with pressure in his face, you presume more pressure than he had late last year. You wonder how he's going to react. I like Michael P Ryan at running back. They do have some some pieces they have to fill on the defensive front, but the back end of that of that defense is going to be fantastic. I think the one thing with Florida is, you know, at the end of the season, will that schedule come back to get them? Because you get Miami in the opener, you finish with Florida State. Those are two tough out of conference games and out of conference rivalry games, which are, will take a lot out of them. And then from across division, they get Auburn as their rotator in addition to LSU, which is their permanent. So we talk about all these schedules and all these teams that have you know these gauntlets to run. Florida has one of the toughest in the country.
2: And the team that Florida walloped in the Peach Bowl is just ahead of them at number seven in the CBS Sports 130. Tom, it, this is the season. You got Ohio State at home.
1: Yeah, if you're a Michigan or a Michigan fan heading into this year with what happened with Urban Meyer stepping down at Ohio State, you feel like this year, if we don't do it this year, I don't know if we're going to under Jim Harbaugh. This is a team that has long considered itself elite, but really hasn't shown itself to be on the field yet. It's only 7-10 against the top 25 under or, or under Jim Harbaugh, but worse, it's 1-9 against top 10 teams. And sure, it's hard to beat top 10 teams, but if you're going to consider yourself one, you need to start winning some of these games. So the biggest thing we're going to have to look to with Michigan this year is they brought in Josh Gaddish to run the offense. Jim Harbaugh is kind of adapting, kind of like what we saw with Nick Saban do with Alabama a few years ago. He's realized he needs to modernize it, open it up, speed things up. We're going to see more spread. Shea Patterson, kind of some more along the lines of what he was in with Ole Miss, but this is also Shea Patterson's sixth offense in six years, which is going to be something to keep an eye on. But if there's anything that you can say about Michigan they have going for it, they have four all-Big Ten offensive linemen returning to the team. So no matter what offense they're running, they've got a line that can block it, and that will help them with the transition into what should be a difficult season with especially a difficult schedule. Tough schedule, but a lot of the, the
2: really tough teams are at home. If they can get by Wisconsin and Madison, they have Iowa, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State all in Ann Arbor. At number six... The LSU Tigers, Joe Burrow, now a senior, coming off that MVP performance in the New Year's Six Bowl win over UCF. That was a Fiesta Bowl win that snapped a 25-game winning streak. LSU's got some momentum coming into the season.
4: They do, and they have a new offense. Every offseason we talk about LSU's new dynamic passing game. Well, guess what? This year, they're talking about their new dynamic passing (laughs) game with Joe Brady coming in from the Saints to be that passing game coordinator. And Look, for LSU, I'm in I'll believe it when I see it mode. We've been fooled by this team many times, so it's I think it's a little bit ridiculous to sit here and say, okay, this is the year they're absolutely 100% going to do it. Yes, they've got Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow was especially great down, down the stretch last year, but throughout the course of the season, his best work was done before the snap, and so can he be the guy that becomes this difference maker? Yes, it's an offense that he played with in high school, and sort similar to the one he had at Ohio State, they've got weapons all around outside, including Justin Jefferson, but uh, with LSU, uh, talent there there's no doubt that talent you cannot argue it but in terms of the passing game, they have to be more dynamic, otherwise they're just going to be a 9-10 win team and that's it. And I think Texas, with that passing Alabama, game,
1: we'll go ahead, I'm sorry, I think with that passing game something that will help them this year is, can they catch the football? Because last year this is a team that dropped mm-hmm. 10.9% of its pass attempts last season, which was the 8th highest number in the country, so I think they need to fix that. They're
0: young, and they've got young, yes. really, really talented receivers that are now sophomores mm-hmm. and juniors. If they've taken that step forward, we should see the passing game be more consistent yep. as well.
2: Alright, LSU at number 6. Let's recap 6 through 10 here. As we get ready to unveil the top five in our CBS Sports 130, the full list will be out next week. But Notre Dame in at 10, Texas, Florida, Michigan, LSU, all these teams play each other. And all of these teams have at least one game against our CBS Sports 130 top five. But who's going to be number one? I think we all know who it's between. Nick Saban
5: and Dabo Swinney. Is it Saban and Tua? Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The CBS Sports 130 top 10 begins with
2: Notre Dame at 10, Texas 9, Florida 8, Michigan number 7, and LSU at 6. It is time now to dive into the top five with Tom Fornelli, Barrett Salee, Chip Patterson, and Barton Simmons. At number five, it is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Barton, it's their first season without Urban Meyer as Ryan Day takes over.
3: Yeah, and look, if you want to sell your Ohio State stock because Urban Meyer isn't there, I get it. But... This is not gonna be the year where this thing crumbles. You're selling that because of a long-term decline, because it's tough to maintain and sustain the way Urban Meyer did. But if we're talking about one season, this season specifically, this is a talented roster. In fact, this is probably the second most talented roster in all of college football, if you're just going strictly by recruiting rankings, number one being Alabama. Uh, We're also talking about a roster that is Really strong from a cultural standpoint. I mean, this is, they've recruited the right kind of guys. They've recruited guys that are strong, locker room presence, strong leadership across the board. So things aren't gonna crumble just because Urban Meyer isn't there. And also, on top of that, this is Ryan Day who I would argue in some ways probably has better X's and O's chops than Urban Meyer. You, you could I think there's people that would make that case in college football today. And so when you put those things together and you talk about Justin Fields coming on board as their quarterback, potentially with that answer there. Now there's some unproven there with Justin Fields, certainly, but I think Ryan Day can put him in a position to be really successful. There's a loaded wide receiver group coming back. Chase Young will be one of the best Defensive players in all of college football and a certain first round draft pick, their secondary stack, the whole defense will be simplified after last year's struggles. I just really think Ohio State is much more of a certain safe bet than anyone has given them credit for. Do they top anyone above them here? I'm not sure I'm making that case, but they absolutely deserve to be in this number five spot in my opinion.
2: Their last season without Urban Meyer was in 2011. They went six and seven. Luke Fickle was the interim head coach then. I don't think they're going to have a losing record this season, but fans are not going to be happy if they are at number five when the season ends. you got to be in the top four to make the college football playoff, and that is where we head right now. The Georgia Bulldogs. At number four in our CBS Sports 130, Barrett, Jake Fromm entering his third season as the starter.
4: Yeah, and I think it's his most challenging season as a passer because even as a true freshman, he had a bunch of ballers at wide receiver. This year, they have 12 returning catches from wide receivers. That's how how bare this cupboard is. But you look at some of these guys, I think the biggest challenge for Jake Fromm is finding a way to get everybody involved. Demetrius Robertson from Cal, he didn't play, at, play much at all last year, didn't even have a catch. Tyler Simmons, a speedster, they've got a a top-flight recruit in George Pickens, but I talked to Kirby Smart about a month ago and he said look for the running backs out of the backfield to be a big part of the passing game. Last year they had a bunch of running backs who kind of did the same thing out of the backfield. This year when you look at Zamir White and James Cook and Brian Harry, and of course DeAndre Swift, they're going to mix those guys in. So uh, I think Georgia is fully capable of winning a national championship. The biggest thing they have to do is find a way to get a pass rush. Uh, They did not do that well last year, but if there's one thing you can trust, with Kirby Smart is that he can find a way.
0: You mentioned Georgia in the National Championship. We talk about Georgia and being in the college football playoff. I think the biggest game of the year for Georgia and those college football playoff National Championship hopes is when Notre Dame is yep. coming to town on September 21st on CBS. And we are going <laughs> to have to look at that game as a data point that can allow Georgia to take an SEC loss. Yeah. So that you could be 7-1, and but if you make it to that SEC championship game and you've got that win against Notre Dame, you're still going to be able to get there. So the pieces are in place. You know, you talk about Jake Fromm as maybe a, mm-hmm. a dark horse, high kind of player. I think the Bulldogs are fascinating for everything that I don't know and for the opportunities that are ahead.
2: Notre Dame number 10 in our CBS Sports 130 unveiling the top 10 today. The rest of the list coming out uh, later on next week but at number three. The Oklahoma Sooners, and Tom, back-to-back Heisman winners and trips to the college football playoff, does Jalen Hurts keep this thing rolling?
1: Probably. I mean, if there's anything we know about Oklahoma heading into the season, the offense is going to be fine. It's too good. Lincoln Riley is too good at putting a game plan together. He's too good at calling plays. And Jalen Hurts, you know, he got stuck behind the Tua hype last year, but he was having a very good season with Alabama as a passer. So the question about Oklahoma this year is not going to be it's whether they're going to score points, it's how many points are they going to allow. Because we're talking about a defense last year that was clearly one of the worst in the country. They were in the 101st in scoring defense, 114th total defense, 130th pass efficiency, and they only forced 11 turnovers in the entire season. It's really hard to win against good teams without doing that. So Alex Grinch comes in, he's the new defensive coordinator, he's going to be putting in a new system. There is more talent on the defense than there has been in recent years, thanks to the last few recruiting classes. But this isn't a case of Oklahoma needing to be an elite defense. We need to see them take the step forward to just being an average defense. Mm-hmm. If they could just, you know, get it, force a few turnovers and let the offense relax once in a while instead of being forced to score 55, 60 points a game. This is a team that could once again get to the college football playoff, but if it's going to be, be- beating Clemson or Alabama or Georgia or anybody else we're talking about, it's going to have to start playing a lot better on defense.
2: You just mentioned Georgia at number 4. Clemson and Alabama have not yet appeared on our list. We knew they were going to be 1-2. Yeah. Spoiler Question alert. is, yeah, which order is it going to be in? And it, it, it was close, but not that close. Chip, the Clemson Tigers come in at number one, followed by Bama.
0: The impact of forty-four to sixteen on yeah. our collective psyche is just still so strong because that was a Tua Tagovailoa-led team yep. that had Jerry Judy, the number one wide receiver in the country, and still that Clemson defense, which is going to be replacing a lot, um, they were able to find answers. And I think for Trevor Lawrence, uh, he's going to be leading a Clemson offense that, with the leaps that Justin Ross made late in the year and T. Higgins throughout his sophomore season, I really think Clemson's offense can just score 50 points per game. It almost might not matter the fact that they've got to replace some players on the defensive line and oh by the way Xavier Thomas is the (laughs) new defensive lineman that you need to circle for going to the NFL. This Clemson team is not going to rely exclusively on the line of scrimmage the way that the last two years teams did on the way to the college football playoff and as Trevor Lawrence continues to improve as he continues to become the face of college football we're only going to see the Tigers continue to make their argument not as the number one just for this season, but as the top program in college football.
4: They can't afford a loss though, and I think that's the thing with the ACC, you really can't afford a loss. You look early in the season, week two Texas A&M, week three at Syracuse, we all trust Brent Venables to get the defensive holes filled, but if he doesn't fill them quick enough, you have Kellen Mond coming, and then you have Dino Babers and those orange. That's going to be a tough, hey, tough Hey, that's Tommy test. DeVito. That's my boy, that Tommy, DeVito. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> right. Clemson, a, an
2: easier schedule overall, sure. Mm-hmm. Bama, though, does not have a very tough non-conference schedule. Barrett, they've got Duke, New Mexico State, Southern Miss, and Western Carolina.
4: You got a problem with the catamounts, Chris? <laughs> Western Carolina? No. But it, this yeah, is, Alabama doesn't yeah, either. <laughs> Alabama's not good either. But you know, the Duke game. I mean, look. You know, it, we're used to Alabama having some of these top-tier, con- neutral-site games out of conference in week one, and and they just don't have it this year. And I think for Alabama, it really, it, it, it's an Alabama problem. And criticizing Alabama is is you know, you're you're doing it at a different level. But Tua wasn't great toward, down the stretch last year. He he buckled under the pressure. Now part of it was injury, but part of it maybe was that the book came out on him a little. A little bit. Georgia, which didn't have a pass rush all year, got a pass rush against Alabama and rattled Tua Tonga by Lois. So, and Clemson basically followed the same playbook. So I just think for, for Alabama, you have to make sure Tua, doesn't take the home run shot all the time and that's what Nick Saban has stressed to him the entire offseason is take a profit. You don't go broke by taking a profit even if it's a little profit. And if Tua can do that, if he can wrap his head around that, then this team's gonna score 40-50 points and it won't matter.
2: We all know Tua, but Barton, how much is the class of 2019 going to play into this Alabama this Alabama season?
3: Well they landed one of the best defensive line classes in the country which is convenient considering <laughs> last year's defensive line didn't have the kind of depth that we're used to seeing and so now they, they, get, they get this influx of talent up front and this is a 2017 class remember Tua's class that I think comes of age here for their third year on campus and this is probably the most talented class Nick Saban's ever brought in to me. That tells me this is the most talented team Nick Saban's ever had. And CBS, all you guys, all of us, are helping add fuel to the fire (laughs) because this is also a motivated team. Alabama talented and Alabama motivated is a scary combination. I was not one of the ones to put Clemson one. I get it, but I'm going Alabama number one because this will be as focused as a Nick Saban team as we would we have seen to date. This is how the top ten looks. Clemson at one, Alabama two, Oklahoma
2: and Georgia, with Ohio State rounding out the top five. LSU, Michigan, Florida, Texas and Notre Dame all play each other and all are going to have at least one crack at those teams in the top five. So it's, it's as close to a round robin as we're going to get in college football this season between the teams we think are in the running for the college football playoff.